Hey everybody, this is Walleye Talk. I'm Dan Ryan. I'm Will Newer. This week's episode, we're going to cover a few preseason topics, including a listener question about fishing line. We're also going to talk about our goals for the season, uh, specifically what ours are, and possibly what yours should be. Sure, always room for improvement. And then uh, we'll talk about the different walleye angler stereotypes. Maybe you can fit yourself into one of them and think about how you can learn from others and how you can improve upon yours. We're also going to talk about how to maybe knock the rust off and how to stay sharp for this spring. For uh, It's been a long winter. <laughs> it's been a long winter. And finally, we'll talk about what the walleyes are doing right now. They've got some important stuff to, to get done over the next couple of weeks, and that might impact what your opener looks like. Before we get to that, a quick word from our sponsors. Having fun in the sun on the lake all day long. Porta-Dock.com. Porta-Dock.com. Find your local Porta-Dock dealer today. Porta-Dock.com. All right, getting down to the nitty-gritty, we had another listener comment. Uh, this one was about fishing line and specifically about how our line choices maybe change throughout the seasons. I don't think I'm going to have a great answer for that, but we've covered this before. I think it's important to cover again, especially this time of year, uh, talking about fishing line. Will, you want to start off? What do you do? So for me, uh, let's let's just, I'm going to cover my three, the three seasons that, because I change my line three times a year, right? I, I only change my braid once, but I change my mono three times a year. Yep. So right now, I just spooled my rods up, my mono rods up, with six-pound uh, poly. What it was? Cold polymers. Cold polymers. I just I just strung all my rod, all my mono rods up with that. Um, that's what I'm going to use for spring jigging. Brand new, fresh stuff. Brand new, brand spanking new. Mm-hmm. This this time I tried Suffix Advance. I think this stuff's going to be pretty good. I used it a little bit up on the Rainy River. Mm-hmm. I was pretty impressed by Felt it. Felt the same. Felt pretty doggone good. Uh, set the hook really nice. Okay. Um, but once I graduate, once I go into summer, I, I you get into like that mid June, mid to late June, you switch more to crappies. Yep. So with my walleye gear that I try and fish crappies with, I actually go with more of a just a straight mono. Okay. Um, which I know we had an argument about this last week, but. It's different because I'm using walleye gear, right? Sure. Okay. Um, yep. I, I remembered the argument. Yeah. You didn't like You got to have give somewhere. It's all about have, balance. Right. So with that copolymer, you have like 10% less stretch, something like that. Sure. It's somewhere in there. Um, so I, I tend to go with more of a straight mono for when I go more to my crappie season, which, you know, admittedly, I don't want to be in crappie season. Because right. I'd love to just crush on walleyes. Sure. But the opportunity is not necessarily there. And when yeah. I am fishing walleyes that time of year... You know, in the weeds. It tends to be either in the weeds or I'm pulling deep with and I need braid. Sure. But the fall, I'll, actually, instead, I'll, I'll get rid of all my 6-pound and I'll go to 8-pound. Eight 8-pound eight mm. copolymer. Just because you deal with a lot of beefier, beefier walleyes. Sure. So... And a lot of times you're drifting a lot faster because those we- those westerlies, it just, for me, it seems like a pretty smart decision to have that beefier line when gotcha. you're dealing with I those did fish. not know that about you. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a, I use Trilene Sensation almost exclusively for my 
my rods that aren't braid, and I think your like your opinion matters to me as much as I hate to say it. So I think what I'll do this year is I'll rig up one rod with the um with the copolymer made by that was suffix the suff by suffix, but sensation is a copolymer too. Is it? And so is your other one. Gamma. Gamma. Yeah. I'll try I'll try suffix on one rod and I'll try probably fish it and then uh we'll see. I hate to I hate One thing to that I found that over. one thing that I found just by spooling you know this spring with that advance compared to the gamma is that that suffix is a lot less coily. Mhm. And they say something about it's like G2 wound and I think that just means it's wound straighter and tighter i think that i'm not and don't i i'm not 100 percent sure on this mm-hmm. but you like you grab a suffix spool it's like three times wider sure and i think that's why when it says like g2 winding right on the box gotcha don't know if that means what i think it means but um we could look it up we probably could but i think i think that just means it's wound on straighter or it's wound on with less stretch and tighter gotcha to have less memory. All right, I have a question for a sporting goods person right now. Would you Would you answer it? I'll try my best. So I've always wondered about like, because I try to be ahead of the game, right? I try to get my stuff ready this time of year. What are the chances that there's monofilament sitting on the shelves from last year, and does that matter? Um, in my store, it's probably like a twenty percent chance. Okay. I just stocked my stuff with new, or just stocked my shelves with new stuff this year. If you buy seventeen pound mono from the one stop, <laughs> there is a one hundred percent chance that it's from last year. I think it, that's got to matter, though, don't you think? I don't think I it think, does any good. I know, like most of it's like <laughs> it's light sensitive and heat sensitive and stuff, but it can't do any good to have it sitting around for a year. Right, but. Like the the gamma I just strung on or that I strung on. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I didn't do it this year, but a lot of times like I'll buy because gamma is so hard to find. I'll buy like four or five packs when I find it. Yeah. And like the stuff I put on last year that I used, you know, last spring was like two years old. Gotcha. And I didn't have any problems with that. Okay. But that's very anecdotal. Yeah. Fair enough. And doesn't matter. I don't know. Right. But. As far as, like, my jigging rods, though, right? That's what we're kind of getting at. Yeah. yeah. I think six pound. That's my and a coal sweet polymer. spot. Six pound and a coal polymer. Yep. Yeah. So. But I don't think that the... Going back to your question, I don't think a lot... I don't think that the age of the store line matters as much as the age of the spool on your rod. Spool on your rod, and maybe how you treat it, too. Actually, for sure how you treat it. So if you have it sitting in a pontoon in the sun all summer, like, that's where that rod lives. You should change it (laughs) bi-weekly. Yeah, you should get that thing in the shade. Right. I I don't know where I learned that, but someday along the line, you do learn that it it should be in the dark as much as possible. Like, it's kind of like, the, your line gets a sunburn, you right. know? Yeah. It's definitely dehydration. You just turn your grapes into raisins. <laughs> okay. I don't think, I also don't think that 
Like I don't specifically change my mount of or my my non braid, my non super line rods, um, except for wear and tear over the season. Right. Like I'm not changing product. I'm just updating to to fresh stuff. So I'll fish that six pound stuff all through the year. And I've yeah, I think that I've that's the product I'll I'll stick with. And like for me, it just like when I change to more like to when I change my copolymers to mono. Mm-hmm. it's not because like oh shoot june 15th happened i got it no it's because my stuff gets all raggedy because right. i jig for like... you know you think about how many days how many times you fish with those rods from may 11th yep. till right june 25th and every knot every bite off costs you six inches or so you know like you yeah. lose more line than you think if you're fishing consistently not to mention if you do have like a a weird break off and along in a weird spot and all of a sudden right. you lose 10 yards and yeah. but after all that jigging with the with live bait, that you cast it. What you just watch when you cast, yeah. You know you're just getting twisted and twisted and twisted. And as much as you want to just cut it off and you know straighten it out, it's only you're putting a band aid on it. Yeah, you're not fixing it. You right. know. Yeah, and it's a couple bucks. I know a spool costs you what eight bucks these days for a yeah. copolymer, something like that. Yeah. Eight nine bucks. But you can usually get two rods out of that. Pretty easy. Right. And so you're you're not... It's just a weird thing to have to worry about. Right. And then uh, if you haven't heard us talk about it before, like I always fish. I only fish braid as a main line for my rigging rods and for my jig wrap rods and for my trolling rods. I don't have any, any fluorocarbon in the mix except for leader material. We right. did have a, a great episode with Mark Pordek about... Um, how to use floral effectively and efficiently, I would say. Right. Um, that's season one, I don't know, episode 10, something like that. Episode 12, I think, um, if you want to revisit that. He had some pretty good technical advice about, about line that it was a little outside of our our wheelhouse. But he's a bass guy, so you don't even have to take that seriously. Right. That episode is actually called Bass Guys, right? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> But anyway, I think it's about time for our for a break, don't you? You want to take a break? Yeah, I do. Quick break, normal break, long break. Let's go with a long break. Fairly average break. Okay. Wilbur. Daniel, son. Do you have any goals? Oh, let me tell you about my life goals. Like the. I want to have six children. No, let's. I want five of them to be. Twenty nineteen fishing, only. Oh. Six kids. Jeez. Well, you right, didn't let me go finish. Back to fishing. Okay. All right. What was your que- What was the question? Do you have any goals for the season? Yeah, of course I've got goals. Specific goals. I specifically want to have goals. All right. Let's hear them. Um. So, for me, I want to really improve upon my pulling skills. I want to be better at pulling rigs. I want to be better at pulling spinner rigs want to be better at pulling rapalas and crankbaits. I want to have better boat control while pulling these things and I want to suck less at it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. That's th- those so are my goals. Those share like a theme, right? Yes. And what's the theme? Mostly break lines. For me, I guess like I want to be able to Control my boats, my lures, 
you know, my presentation is on the sweet spot more often. Okay. Because Makes I think sense. that's something that I need to... That's something I have... I, I can do okay, but if I'm going to give myself a grade, I could really improve it. Sure. You know? All right. I'm probably running at like 70%. I could really, I could really step that up. Sure. It's like the teacher, like the teacher, like, it's like, Wilbur, you can, you can do better. You're doing okay, but you can do better. They're That's like, a really condescending tone you're no, giving me, Dan. They see potential in you. You know what I see? I see your face with a negative connotation <laughs> and I can really punch it in the mouth. So what are you going to do about it? Like, do you think it's just a matter of like reminding yourself or are you actually going to like make a concerted, like specific action steps to get better at those things? Well, I bought a Vantage, which should really help as yeah. far as like the rigs go. Right. Um, and another thing is I'm going to make myself do it more often instead of like, you know, if I'm, we had this discussion last August where... The, the Think back, Danielson. Is it where you caught one walleye on a jig and a minnow? No. And you thought that like, it was it was go time? No? Well, it turned out to be like a rock bass or something. <laughs> but no, think back to when we had that trip and we had the race afterwards to clean the walleyes. Okay, yep. I jigged like the entire time. Mm -hmm. And I think I caught one. Mm -hmm. And that whole time... You, you did have all your customers rigging. Yeah, right. And we ended up catching, you know, a few. But we could have done better. Mm -hmm. But instead of like, okay, I'm going to put us on the sweet spot, you know, I was kind of trying to You're compensate. Making laps, I was you? Yeah, I was trying to compensate for it by, okay, I'm, I'm going to kind of cast over here and cover this ground with something that was less effective which I absolutely love jigging, and I, pro I will make that mistake time and time again. <laughs> I, I know myself better than that. But I'm going to make a conscious effort to make sure at least I'm pulling a rig some of the time through there. You know? Sure. Fair enough. Um, I am thinking about, like, the dog days period and trying to <laughs> figure out a better system for catching walleyes out of the weeds off of some of the bigger lakes in... More specifically, pulling, like specifically pulling spinners around the weeds on Woman Lake and Leech Lake in less than 15 feet of water. Those two lakes, I sort of write the shallow water stuff off, and I think that's wrong. And I think there's just a few tweaks to the system that I need to make, uh, mostly with my weight and speed and how how far away the 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 baits are from the boat, and then some habitat. I've got some specific spots in mind that, like, I think they probably hold a bunch of walleyes midsummer, and I just never touch them, and I don't know why. Is that something you can talk about? Where? Yeah, what kind of what kind of structures and habitats are you talking well, about? Well, like, Woman Lake doesn't have a ton of vegetation. It has some. Yep. And I guess you could say the same thing about Leech Lake. For sure. And there, it can be sometimes sort of impenetrable, if you view it as like a whole thing, like, oh, God, then I couldn't pull spinners through there. That would be a huge pain in the butt. But I think I could in specific areas where the weeds are sort of friendly. I think the depths sort of line up correctly. And uh, so that's a goal of mine. And I think the, the, the plus side to that 
is that in general those trips I sell as multi-species trips. So running a spinner program and catching, like getting the fish catching system down where like the bait looks good and if you put it past something with teeth it's going to bite will make customers happy. Right. And then through that period I can also be learning how like how am I catching walleyes through this stuff. Right. And then fine tuning that to make it more like a we're gonna we're gonna go catch a bunch of walleyes on july 30th i don't know that's that's one of the goals and then the other one is recognizing like tendencies with schools of fish when they move on you and recognizing how you can prevent them from moving and then also how to predict what they've done if they do move so last year i i did feel like i got better about on this, like if I did push a school off or if the school moved on me, knowing a little, having an idea about what they did so I can stay on them a little bit longer. Trying to think? find the direction they're moving and yep. why they moved. Right. And then also preventing it if it's because you because of you, right? So if you caused the movement, it probably would be better to just solve the problem right up front and not cause that movement. Right. And then recognizing what they might have done if you did bump them off. Uh, last fall I had a couple days that stick in my mind like I I bumped them for sure and I caused it but then I was able to move to them so I want to continue to get better at that like recognizing where you're maybe having an impact and knowing how you can adjust it because just think how much time you spend looking for fish right the, the school in the first place right and then you find it and then you screw it up yeah. like you're the cause and that that burns me because certain times a year, you're not going to find a ton of them. Right. You're only going to find a couple schools what, what do you of fish. Think makes you bump, what, do you, what makes you think that you bumped them? Well, I, I sort of know <laughs> it in the moment, mo- mostly depth. You know, like if you stumble upon like, all right, two or three fish come in, in five or ten minutes off of uh, a nine-foot flat, like chances are if they disappear, maybe it's coincidence, but I'm a control freak enough to think that I probably caused it. Yeah, you probably so, are. Yeah. Yeah, your bull control is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> your bull control is really good. So those would be my two. Well, I like it. I like where I like where you're heading. You know, I Gotta feel like better. you can almost become as good an angler as I could, as I am. We should think about people who are listening and their goals. Yeah. It's not all about us. Well, maybe. I know it's hard to believe, but... I don't know how you think that it's part of... It's, you know, anything close to you. So, I, like, if I was trying to frame a goal, if I was a listener, if I was trying to frame a goal, I'd think about, like, one of my best days and, like, how could I have made that day better? That would be a good way to frame a goal, right? Yeah, so for like, sure. you did a bunch of things right, found a bunch of fish. What could you have done better on those those best days that's a that's a great way to improve, and then there's lessons to be learned. It's not just about improving that one really great day, but you have a lot of uh, variables eliminated, right? So like you have active fish, the, you have feeding fish, you found the fish, you have a presentation that appears to be working. So a lot of those things are. It's hard to get a scenario where all those things are in place for an avid angler. You're you're looking a lot of times at specific times of year. Yeah. You know, you're looking at before June 10th and a lot of time, you know, a lot of times and then you're looking for after September 1st. Sure. And a lot of those scenarios of your best days, you know. Yeah. Um 
But for for the people who are fishing weekends, that adds up to even if you're really hard on it, that adds up to like twenty days, maybe not even. Yeah. So you have to use those days as as uh, teaching. Yeah. Teach, yeah. Right. And it's hard to do that because it's easy to just, especially if you're just up for Saturday and Sunday, and Saturday happens to be awesome, just to embrace it and be like, check, that was a great day. That was a great day of fishing. Right. But you can learn from from good days as much as you can learn from from bad days. So how could you improve upon the the good days? I don't know. You have a recommendation for another way to set a goal? Well, for me, like if I'm if I'm a lake guy, you know, if I'm if I'm got a place on Inguadona and I don't I don't take my boat off of Inguadona until, you know, my my season is done, my goal is to try and find a different bite pattern. Right? On that lake? Yeah. Okay. So like if I target only deep water, yeah. You're only targeting a specific amount of fish, or I'm only gonna like I really only fish from 18, 15 to eighteen feet of water. Right. You're really uh, like limiting yourself to specific fish that aren't gonna bite all the time. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm gonna try and broaden my horizons. I'm gonna try and work, you know. For me, especially in a lake like that, I'm gonna fish some shallow water because mm-hmm. I mean, you know as well as I do, those fish come out of super shallow water a lot of times. Yeah. So. Uh, for me, I'm gonna broaden my horizons. I'm gonna try and find different patterns. You know, maybe you know, try different times of the day. You know, if I'm generally an afternoon person, I'm gonna try it right away in the morning. You know, I'm gonna get up an hour, two hours before everybody, especially on those busy weekends, and I'm gonna try and catch them right away. Yeah, that's you a know? good idea. And also, maybe don't take the best fishing days and do what you've done for the last decade. Right. right? Because you're, if you are only taking days where t- fishing's going to be tough and using those as days to explore, fishing is going to continue to be tough. Your Memorial weekend should be spent explore, spent explore. You yeah. know, you spend Friday afternoon going to your your usual spots, but Saturday, Sunday, Monday should be spent. Try something different. Trying some awesome stuff because, like, some of the all, all of the lakes that we fish have really fun patterns. Yeah. Like, I can't name one that I don't really enjoy because they're all unique and they're all different. Yep. You know? So yeah. try and find one for yourself, you know? And having it for yourself, even if it's not, like, the banner numbers day, means more. Right. So if on June 8th you figure out a way to catch fish on a, a, like in a completely new scenario than, than you had in the past, that's going to feel better. Then going to the tried and true. Then going to Iowa Point every single night. Right. 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 Because the Iowa Point bite isn't always happening. No. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll feel better about it, and you're more likely to have a consistent new bite if you do find one. Right. Not to say you're going to find... We've talked about this many times before. Like, I don't know what my ratio is. If one out of ten of my new ideas is good, mm-hmm. that's great. That's really good. Because it's going to be my idea, which means I'm going to probably have those fish to myself, and it's probably, hopefully, going to be something I can replicate for a decade. Right. You take a lot of the situ, a lot of the scenarios too. Like they they don't even they don't even necessarily translate from from one spot on the lake to another. But if you learn some nuance from Little Boy, a lot of times that'll transfer to another lake. You know, like. Yeah. Okay, well, this sand, 
quit in a, on a 15 foot, you know, in 15 feet on this point. Mm-hmm. And it turned into care or something, you know. I'm just spitballing. But a lot of times that'll transfer somewhere else. Yeah. You know, another lake or another, another another time of year or something. Right. Yeah. So, like, the information, even if it's not, you know, instant gratification, it is transferable in a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. So, just be mindful of that. Like, specifically our clam beds, like, that was just like a, like, when we started to figure this out, we were on, what, two lakes or something? Like, we were both on different lakes and kind of had the same pattern going. But we transfer that from place to place to place. And, yeah. like, that is a perfect representation of right. um, finding a pattern and sticking to it and, you know, finding that it works a lot of places. Yeah. It is, uh, of course, highlighted a little bit because it's our, like, way of life and, like, how we pay our bills, you know. So that, like, made our month of August last year. And that, that makes a big difference for us, you know. So, like, the... It, it pays off a little bit differently, but like th- those types of weird habitat connections are, they're great. They feel good for anybody. Any avid angler would feel good about that stuff. I agree. So Daniel, son, do you care to dive into the next topic? Sure. Should we take a break? If you need to. I need a break. <laughs> All right. We are back. So Dan, what are the fishing the walleye fishermen stereotypes? Okay. Not everybody's gonna fit into them. That's why it's called a stereotype. But there are guides. That's the one we know best, obviously. Right, we relate to them fairly well. Right. Guides are really avid anglers who like people who want to spend a bunch of time on the water, and who rely heavily on information from other people in the area, other avid anglers, on their years of experience on a limited body or limited bodies of water right. and the seasonal tendencies that those might have. And uh, you're, focus- lo- you're looking more at local bodies of water. Local more bodies so of water. Uh, like a Midwest region. Right. Where you get to know, say, a dozen bodies of water really, really well. Mm-hmm. And then you'll fish maybe maybe 20 uh, f- somewhat frequently. Right. So you, it's, uh, they're sort of the homebodies of the, of the avid angling world, I would say. Good anglers, they like simple presentations, things they can teach people quickly, in a limited geographic area. That'd be one. Yeah. That's me for sure. And I and I like it. That That's a good fit for me. I'm recognizing that that's my stereotype I fit into pretty well. Even though I want to be a good tournament angler, I'm a much better guide. One thing about guides too is you're looking for like the most efficient way to teach people to catch fish like right now. Right now. Comfortably, safely, simply. Right. That's that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Good job, Dan. Kudos to you. Right. That's who I am. I want to be a better tournament angler, but maybe I'm just maybe I'm just a guide. You're getting too old for that, Dan. Great hair's getting gray. For what? For being a good tournament angler. Whatever. All the good <laughs> tournament anglers are gray haired. 
Some of them have red hair. Ooh, I have re- a red beard. All right, name another one. Another fishing stereotype. Uh, it's going to be like your technical guy. Not your technological guy, but your technical guy. Okay. Really into your gear, your, your rods, your reels, your lines. Um, trying to make that as high performance as possible. Okay, sure. You know. How do those guys... And tackle. You'd have to include tackle, right? For sure, for sure. Right, okay. And that's different, you're saying, than from the techie guys as far as, like, the electronics world. Right. Right. Um, like, the the gear guys are are really into, you know, how, how, like, how to effectively troll, like, crankbaits in a certain depth. Like, they want to cover this water column, and they... They dial it to a T. Right. Like, those are, like, your precision anglers. Sure. Does that make... Yeah, for yeah, sure. I, I would call those the precision anglers. Right. Like, okay, I'm going to use my 3 ounce jig right here with my Kai-Tech, and I'm going to let it sink for, ooh, ooh, six and a half seconds, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to have a retrieval rate of three feet per, per second. Yeah. And I'm going to, ooh, that's how I'm going to catch them today. Yep. For sure. That those people exist for sure. For sure, uh, the number it's a there it's a numbers game for them. Yeah. So. Then there's the the tournament anglers, the fo- the people who focus most of their attention on tournaments. Obviously, they started off loving fishing, right? Yeah. But they kind of they concentrate their time on competitive angling. And those are those are really like if we're gonna be honest, those are some of the most talented anglers. Of the groups, right, right, of the ranks, like the, you're gonna probably, if you're gonna have to rank them, you would, cl- I, w- I would put as far as individualistic talent, tournament anglers number one, yeah, and then and, it's gonna be guides, you know, and and well rounded, they're probably right. more well rounded than guides are, and they have to concentrate their time, so they're they concentrate their time around their tournament fishing, right. they probably work a a normal job, they focus heavily on having real high quality equipment from their truck to their boat to their electronics to their rods it's all like top of the line stuff probably live in a mobile home (laughs) yeah their investment (laughs) might mostly be in their tournament career and then they are really really open and adaptive to new types of bodies of water constantly researching finding out like you want to talk about information gathering those guys are they're like little squirrels out there Mm -hmm. you know yep because they're they're going from cast lake minnesota to lake michigan wisconsin right yeah they're all over the place and those are completely Completely different different. yeah (laughs) so that would be one type what's another um so let's just go right to the technological guys you know the guys who are super into their electronics, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much out there. You know, you talk about like the big three as far as graphs go, the Hummingbirds, Garmin's, Lawrence's. Those guys are super in tune to whatever they have. Yep. You know, um, really getting digging into the side image and the, you know, like the, the pan- imaging specifically and panoptics yeah, would be the the live an scope of that. Yep. Yeah, like those guys are really into that. And let's be honest, those guys are the best at finding fish. Yeah. By far. 
Um, not saying that they're the best at catching them, but they're by far the best at find, locating schools of fish. Mm-hmm. Now, it's great to have one of the. It is like for me, I really enjoy fishing with those guys because they teach me so much. Mm hmm. And then I can really rope them. <laughs> Unless I'm fishing with Mark. Because, yeah, he's put a shellacking on me a couple of times. You think he's he's a guy who's... He's a tech guy all, all the way around. For sure. Yeah. For sure he is. Yep. But those guys are really valuable to be friends with. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, and then there's the... There's the avid anglers who are mostly locked down to the weekends. They really enjoy fishing. They like to learn a lot about it, but they wouldn't maybe fall into any of those categories necessarily. Right. They just really like to fish. Enjoy their time. Enjoy the their water. time on the water. Have a cabin up north uh, or take a week to, to come up north every year. Uh, those would be the categories. So what can you learn from, from those those folks so i'm i'm kind of envious of the people who just come up and are just gonna fish you know like if i have a week to fish those people generally are the most hardcore anglers for that week where (laughs) like they'll fish through anything and me it's like yeah it's raining outside you know what's the hardest thing like i'll fish in snow in october and I'll fish through, you know, rain and snow and wind in May. But when it comes to, like, a mist in July and August, I'm like, oh. It's 74 and rainy. Oh, man, my truck will get wet. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, ah, uh, I don't know. But, like, if it's snow in October, it's like, guys, we got to go, go now. Right. It was like, hmm. It could have been sunny out. <laughs> you know, but those guys who come up, or those folks who come up and it's like, this is my week to fish. That's what I'm doing. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I'm really envious of those guys, those people, you know? Sure. Yeah. Because they have the mentality that I wish I had all of the time. I have it a lot. I don't have it all of the time. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. So the weekend folks, or the, the one week vacation folks, you can... Maybe admire their drive. Remember why you're you're doing what you're doing. Yes. The tech folks, I think you can recognize that attention to detail is pretty important. For Maybe sure. more important than we care to realize in the moment. You know, if you're on your sixth trip of the week and you're a little dog, you know, like a little tired, mm-hmm. you do still have to make sure your your gear is looking correctly. The techie guys, the that stuff helps you. Find what you're trying to do, right? right? I mean, like you're if you, if you're doing like a tackle specific program, like those guys are the people to talk to. Yeah, you talk to, like you want to be specific. You talk to the bass people, who are like the the biggest thing that I would recommend. If you have a bass fishing friend who's seriously into it, talk to them about their finesse techniques. Like those finesse bass rods are going to be some of the best walleye rods that you're going to find. You know, their drop shot rod is going to be the best jigging rod you put in your hand. Sure. Right? Right. So really think about that because those guys are shaking those weights. You know, they, they're shaking that plastic and they're looking for any subtle bump. You know, that's what you're looking for in a jig rod. 
Sure. Yeah. Then the electronics folks, if nothing else, just to help you troubleshoot, like you're going to recognize where you maybe have pitfalls in your electronics game, uh, they, they can probably help you pretty quickly uh, or at least give you some ideas about what to do. And for a lot of folks, the electronics, it's just tough to, for them to navigate like the screens and how to set their settings. Those electronics folks can, can help you with that stuff. Right. Uh, tournament anglers. What can they help you with? Well, if if <laughs> it's gonna sound bad, but if you can get into their, you know, almost like because you, you want to talk about a, it's it's gonna sound bad, but it, it's true. You're gonna talk about a tournament angler's click, you know, like they have a certain they have a circle of trust, mm-hmm. right? So if you get your if you can get your way into there and learn a few tricks of the trade. They're going to teach you deeper meanings and deeper knowings of these bodies of water. Right. So you, if you can get if you can get in good terms with a Dylan Mackey, he's gonna and, and he can you know sp- spend five minutes with the guy just talking about Pekegba. The guy's going to teach you more than you'll learn in a year out there Fishing by yourself. It on your own. Yeah. Right. Right. The dude just knows. The dude just knows. Yeah. And then I think you return the favor. By being honest and upfront with any information you might have about about a lake if they're going to fish it right. for a tournament, right? For so sure. not not uh, trying to boast your three fish day, but really being like, well, this is what I've found. You right. know, they they recognize whoever you are that your information comes from your 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 lifestyle, your source, right? So. Your three fish might mean a lot to them. You right. can tell them it's specifically what you did. Don't be like, yeah, I caught, I caught these nice, all these fish in this one spot. Be like, no, you're, you're trying to be too specific with it. You want to give general information. I mean, not like you want to blab it to the world, but you want to give general information. Like, yeah, I do quite well on main shoreline points. Sure. The yeah. main shoreline points that are close to deep water right. is where I find my fish. It's not necessarily where you're going to find your but it's at least it's a starting point. Yeah. And yeah. recapping your day, you know, when I talk with, say, Jay Epping or something who's a tournament angler and I talk about what I've done, I recognize my downfalls or, like, where I'm not strong. So if I'm telling him I didn't catch any fish on, on crankbaits or something, like I, I fished cranks for two hours on Woman Lake, didn't work out that well. Well, I'm not a great crankbait fisherman. So I also say that. I also mm-hmm. say, I'm also not a great crankbait fisherman, so don't write that off. But right. this is what I tried, and it didn't seem to work. Uh, being honest with those guys, that's how you pay them back for, for their insight for you. It's paying that's homage, right? Isn't that what it's called? Paying yeah. homage. Yeah. Yeah, see, I know words good too, Dan. How do you spell it? H-O-M-A-G-E. I think that's right. Nicely done. Bazinga! <laughs> Just call me Sheldon Cooper. <laughs> I'm the math wizard of spelling. <laughs> and then guides. Guides are designed to give you specifically good information on a specific body of water for a specific time period. Really to run day-to-day operations. Yeah, yeah. If so you're like up if for you're... a weekend and you need information, you call a guide. Yeah. Hopefully to fish with us. Right. If, if not... Uh, and you've well, the hell with you. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, that, that can be true too. But if you like have a relationship with us to get an honest take on on what we've been doing, uh, 
whether it's good or bad or somewhere in between. Right. And then if you want a good description about something specific and how we're doing something specifically, the whole idea is we're supposed to be good at explaining that and teaching it to people. Right. So. And don't take it too bad. Like, I have given out some rotten information before. Not because I meant to, but because, like, let's just say, I've had trips on Baby Lake, and Baby Lake's a really tough fishery. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've had people ask me about it and like, okay, this is what I did two weeks ago. And they come back and they're like, well, you suck. All right. It's like, well. Two weeks is a lifetime. Especially when you come from like, especially you think about like the, just take for instance, the first weekend of June to the third weekend of June. Yeah. Like there is a gigantic difference right. in what you're doing in your life yeah <laughs> you know and your expectations right you you essentially are cutting it in a third right yeah you know if you catch eight like not saying on baby lake you're gonna catch 18 fish but like if let's say we're on leech lake if we catch 18 fish on the first weekend of july or of june we're pretty happy you catch 18 fish on the third weekend in june you're basically gonna get a like gonna get a statue, you know, yeah. <laughs> in the Longville City Park yeah. or in the, at the Whipple Beach. <laughs> You're gonna have yeah. a statue, you know. Especially on the east side. Right. Yeah. So that's just things to keep in mind for yeah. that. This this whole topic got brought up because I was thinking about. As, when you get more into the industry, you, you interact with all of these people now, right? right. I, I mean, I interact with tournament anglers. I interact with the weekend people. I interact with all of them. And there's things I can learn from, from them. And uh, But maybe recognizing who you are, what, what you're trying to get out of this activity is important. I'm recognizing more and more that I am a, a, a very good fishing guide and... Uh, Hey, don't get too high on your horse there. Well, no, I, that's about teaching, though. And I am good at that. Yeah, right. Um, and I work hard at it. The tournament thing... I'm just kidding. You're, been, you're a way better guy than I am. Well, I, I just like... I like working with people and helping them get better at it. That's what we both like doing. The thing that you have on me is you have a great way of just explaining things. And for me, I'll just end up doing them. Mm-hmm. And I don't explain it. Like, you can go into great detail on what you're doing, and I can't. I like, I like My brain's to think too small. No. I don't get enough oxygen. <laughs> brain doesn't make words good. You're a mouth breather. You'll do better if you breathe through your nose. There you go. <laughs> it's just... I can't do it. I just can't do it. And maybe you're not any of these. Maybe you're, maybe you're a hybrid. And maybe you're a hobby guy, you know? Yeah. Hobby fishermen are great, too, you know? For sure. That's how they come up with the incredible banjo minnow. It didn't get incredible, you know, by being average. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we better take a break. (laughs) It's getting weird. Dan, how do you stay sharp? Uh, I try to forget. Wrong. Math problems. Let's go. All of the bad things. You got to forget. You got to forget some of the bad stuff. And remember that you're a good angler and that they're a simple creature and that uh, you can pay attention to the details as much as possible. But mostly, you got to find them, you got to put a bait in front of them, and you got to work at it.
Right. You put really put me on the spot there. You were talking real fast. I did, I was talking a million miles an yeah. hour. This I was going to throw this, you with a arithmetic <laughs> problem, but you're not even making words. Sorry. I was going to hit you with an arithmetic problem, but you were you were too on your too on your game. Yep. Which is cool. Whatever. This topic, staying sharp, comes from thinking about how we feel in October, where we've got like a hundred and thirty days of fishing behind us, and how we feel on day one, and. If you could fish day one the same way you felt on day 130, you would crush all the time, I think. I agree. So a lot of it is a mental game. I think a lot of it, too, is like you're like for me, I get so excited about mm-hmm. just being there. Yeah. Like it is opening, it is the, it, you're the opening day pitcher. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you strike out your first. Wait, this is wrong. Bad, bad analogy. It is a bad analogy. Just go with it, anyways. Though. So if People you're like opening day pitcher, you're never gonna like. You really is there ever been a perfect game on opening day? Ooh, that's a great question. Somebody let me know. But anyway, so you're out there and you're trying to put together the best game that you can. You're trying to pitch the best game you can. Yep. And it is so important that you do that. Like for me, anyhow. Like okay. We're trying to be as efficient as possible. Let's get our fish. Let's get out of here. Let's catch them. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And if that just falls apart, well, then now what? You you now have to go to your relievers. You know. Yeah. You got to get away from your from your opening plans and kind of go to your plan B, plan C. You know what I mean? You yeah. know what I'm trying to get at? I do. Yeah. I don't know if they will. I'm, Words are hard for me. Well, what I'm thinking is like that same pitcher who maybe gets a little too stressed out about opening day ends up at the end of the season winning 20 games, right? Right. Because after game one, which maybe was a little bumpy, they recognize like, okay, I'm I'm good at this. Right. And then they worked on the finer parts of it and let let the the, the pressure go a little bit. You want to talk about pitchers, okay? I had a dream like two nights ago. <laughs> I was I was spot locked on the outside of these bull rushes, okay? <laughs> you could see these suckers stacked. Stacked like cordwood, man. Tails. Fishing suckers on mm-hmm. opener. I've done that before. Mm-hmm. No. Oh, uh, there was no suckers involved. Okay. And I was just crank Dan, I was cranking them. <laughs> I was just cranking them. Oh my gosh. Any pocket you know the you know the bull rushes yeah. are pellet, but yeah. they come in. Yeah. But then they come in. Yeah. They were all they were all like nose. Their noses were in there, and you threw that in there. You miss, you get hung up, and you're like, oh no, I'm not gonna get. Oh no, <laughs> no bites here. But no, you got that sucker in there. <laughs> I was cranking them, and then my alarm went off. It's <laughs> a good dream, though. <sighs> Rest. What else can you do about rust? Um, so for us, a good way for us to shake out the rust is go someplace that you can fish early. So we went to the Ranger River. Yeah. That's a good way just to get your hook sets in. Yep. Not saying that's available for everyone because some people live a long ways from there. But that was a good way for us to get the get kind of the kinks out of our rods yep. and whatnot. So, mm-hmm. But that's, uh, that's a good way to knock off the rust there. Um, Maybe another thing that you can do uh, is go springtime crappie fishing, spring perch fishing. Yep. It's another way to get the rust off. Um, 
And just having that confidence, like, okay, I went crappie fishing, I caught enough for a meal, and I caught some more throwbacks, is a good way to boost your confidence yeah. to get you out there, get you going again. Yep. So. Yeah, and I always feel like I take it a little easy that the weekend before opener, or, or at least that weekend, you know, any of your days preseason, like, I keep them pretty short, and and I, I don't think that's the right thing to do. I if the weather's nice, you should like be out there all day, run all over the place. Right. Like, where else do you have to be if you're up here to get your boat ready for opener? Right. Yeah. Do your do your fishing and and that stuff, but also just open your outboard up and like check your imaging. What's the difference if you're gonna spend all day out there on opener, or stay out day all day out there the day the week before opener? Right. Yeah. There's no difference except for your target. Yeah. You know. And then the same lessons that we always talk about, like breaking it out of the mold a little bit. If you've always caught them on X spot and you go there, like, sure, that can be your first plan, but make a backup plan. Like, For sure. And maybe your backup plan is something completely different, especially if X plan, like day one plan, works really well. Go try something different. Like, right. don't just pound on them for the whole day. Right. Try to do something different and maybe learn a lesson on day one. Then my, you'll feel real good about yourself. My dad is the worst at that. Yeah. He has he has had the same opening day, opening morning plan for the last 30 years. I'm going to go anchor on the pike bed. If they're not biting, they're just not biting. Yeah. You know? In the afternoon, it's a different story. But that opening morning, if he's not, you know, he is... It doesn't matter how many fish have been in his boat. He's done by 8.30. Got to make bacon and eggs, you know? <laughs> it's like, geez, Dad, yeah. come on now. <laughs> tradition, I mean, that's that's the tradition thing. Lots of people do that. Right. But I just say, like, there's more options than that. Yeah. If if, if it is that important, you, you'll find something else to do, right. you know? You could, there's a lot of places to fish in a lot of these lakes. Yeah. And regardless, day one, let it go for day two. Doesn't do you much good. Right. Can maybe build off of it, but day two is a brand new day. It's awesome. Yep. Um, last thing we want to talk about is what the walleyes are doing at this moment in time. I think a lot of them have their noses pointed right into running water right now. Right. A like lot of them right migrating. Now. Migrating, heading upstream, mm-hmm. heading towards running water. Yep. Um this is it. This is the week. A lot of them will, in the next 10 days in our area, a lot of them will get it taken care of, in right. my opinion. Um, at least the ones who run rivers. Mm-hmm. I should just say specifically those ones, not the lake fish. And the lake what, fish it, what is it on women? Like 20% of the fish run up river, yep. up to that river, yep. which is still a lot of walleyes. Yeah. Um, but that's you know a very targetable pattern. For people, because it's not like this gets done in a day. Yeah. Like males will keep running and running and running until there's not a walleye left. Yeah. So, especially come open or those fish are going to be possibly still there, depending on the water temperature. Yeah. I think we're looking at a, a, a later, like I think the fish will be maybe a week ahead of last year, which I think will be perfect. It's going to be perfect. Yep. We're going to deal with warmer water than last year for opener. Um. But don't write off what these fish are going to do, you know, the not river fish are going to do. You know, they, they head for these big giant flats, you know, these big shallow flats. And that's where they, they look for areas that are going to be windswept. So, like, 
I know this might be shallow you know, gravel. Yeah, right. Shallow, firm bottom. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people might disagree with this, but I'm going to say what I believe. Um, a lot of these fish will head to the, like, eastern sides of lakes. Because if you look at a lot of lakes, the eastern sides are going to be more firm, flatter areas just because of the prevailing mass release. Hmm. You know, you look at, well, look at just Woman and Leech. You know, look at those two bodies of water. Sure. Um, their bigger bodies have a lot more open space. They're going to have bigger flats. Um, just pay attention to that. You know, think about that for opening weekend. Sure. I think they... I think walleyes are super migratory. So pay attention to where they might be funneling to. Um, they're going to generally take deep water until they get to the shallow water. Right? Yeah. They'll take the deep water passage until they get to their destination. Right. And a lot of times they'll just hang out in that deep water until it's go time. You know, and these and walleyes are not... Yeah, yeah, and then move up. Yeah. A lot of times these fish... Well, especially if they're not in moving water they'll wait till the, well they gotta wait for the right temperatures and whatnot but generally once the ice goes off it's not very long until they get up there and get their business done yeah yeah and then think about like years past try to re- relate this year to a year that looked similar in the last five or ten and we generally don't tell you to fish memories but oh, the springtime is like especially opening weekend is a good time to fish memories I agree I agree um and you can, also you can start to put together like the longer term story. Like that's something we're working on on Leech is like the longer term story of those fish on the east side. What exactly they're doing between opener and the the tournament at right. least. Right. What their movements are like. There's a whole month of fish. mystery. Right. That we're trying to put together. It maybe made a step last year. Yeah. And, I, we'll, and we'll try to fill in some gaps this year. For sure. Maybe we'll be right, maybe we'll be wrong, but... Either way, we're going to learn. That's right. a big thing. Got to pay attention. You got to learn. Yep. But That's it. Thank Wrap you. It up. Like a burrito. Buddy, for, I had Taco Bell yesterday. That made me uh, sound like I'm a deflated balloon. <laughs> it, is, it is rotten. I love it, though. I'm going to make the mistake time and time again. Just just costing me time editing. That's all you're doing. What do you mean? People don't want to hear about your flatulence. Oh, come on now. That was funny. <laughs> that was funny. Come on now. Next episode, we are going to talk about how to cook walleyes specifically. I will... I'll have the sound effects. Tss. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't want to ruin it for you guys. New thing. New thing, though. I think we got to include... Like, we eat fish a lot, and we don't even talk about how we do it. Yeah, that's true. We've and talked about how we've enjoyed fish, fish and eggs. Right. But we, I guess you're right. We haven't talked we gotta about... We've got to talk it. about how we cook the fish. Fine. Do whatever you want. Millions of ways to cook fish. It's going to be great. Sounds awesome. All right. While I talk, I'm Dan Ryan. I'm Will Neuer. Thanks for listening. Time.